Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com. Coming up on this weekend edition of Trumpet Radio Live, look at a couple of uh, headlines from around the news. Also preview the new Key of David program, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show, and what's on thetrumpet.com. And look at a very important topic, the topic of fatherhood. It's essential, it's vital. And oftentimes, it's uh, just flat out being attacked. We'll look at that and more on this edition of Trumper Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. This is the weekend edition. I'm Dwight Falk, and Grant Turgeon is here today looking resplendent in a red tie, blue sport coat. Just sitting back here, <laughs> legs crossed. Enjoying uh, enjoying himself. Uh, lots to uh, talk about on today's program. Some headlines, and also we'll look at uh, the new Key of David program coming up this uh, weekend, the new Trumpet Daily Radio Show, and uh, also what's not the trumpet.com. And uh, at the end of the program, look at a very important topic, that of fatherhood. We have a, an article to uh, talk about from PCOG.org, and we're going to look at that. It's a great website, by the way, if you haven't been there. In a while, it's the sister site to the trumpet.com, and there's a lot of uh, Christian living type topics, so check it out. It's it's free. It's a really good site. I mean, you can find any topic regarding biblical doctrines or inspiring lessons from biblical history or even just from secular history. There's a lot of articles about that. There's articles targeted at different age groups or whether you're single or married. There's There's articles for those types of people, too. I mean... No matter who you are or what station in life you're in, there there are certainly things that will help you on that site. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the that's really a good point you bring out about just different age articles, you know, teenagers, younger people, all kinds of great things to uh, to look at and learn there. So we, we have an article about fatherhood we want to talk about a little later on. Uh, here's a, a story today. This is from DigiDay. It says, we're losing hope. Facebook tells publishers big change is coming to the news their news feed. We were talking a little bit yesterday and earlier this week about some of the media and uh, you know, different gatekeepers there. If you put your information up on um, Twitter or some of these other places, um, people might look at it and determine uh, we don't like it as much. Maybe it doesn't get featured so much. So people are a little con- <coughs> concerned about this. Facebook uh, is planning a major change to its news feed starting as early as next week. They will decisively favor user content and effectively deprioritize publishers' content, according to three publishers that have been briefed by the platform ahead of the move. So publishers are a little nervous that their content they've been putting up there, say if you're a news organization or something, will be de-emphasized now. That's not really a very good thing. I mean, people always we always want to have our own platforms, but we probably have even less credibility as individuals than some of these organizations do. Yeah, I think, I don't know exactly what what, what they're doing or why they're doing this, um, but they like to talk about fake news. Well, we don't want fake news up there. But but you bring out a really good point. Um, 
who who do you, you trust? Like your neighbor down the road who has an opinion on something? I mean, it might be a nice conversation you could have back in the day, you know, when people used to actually speak to each other. Um, and it's good to get ideas and opinions, but if you're actually looking for some sort of in-depth analysis, yeah, there there are some sites that, you know, it, it probably not a lot to it, but then there are others that are really good. So um, wh- what's the, the point of this? It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, they say those who have been briefed say that under the new test, Facebook told them it will favor content that's shared by users <clears throat> or otherwise actively engaged with. The thinking goes according to those briefs that F- Facebook believes prioritizing content that's acted on will reduce the occurrence of fake news and offensive content in the news feed. So now we're kind of getting down to what they're kind of really going after here, which I think is if they don't like it or if they deem it offensive, they get rid of it. Now, if it's truly offensive material that's inappropriate, I think that's great. But what's your definition of offensive? They don't like your viewpoint? Because there's been some things that have been allowed to be up on those platforms that are is downright offensive, and then other things that are just a different opinion, but they're deemed offensive. So that's where it gets interesting. How do you define offensive? That's right. I mean, the, the def- definition right now is extremely confusing because, like you mentioned, there have been people who have stated a viewpoint about whether it's religion or politics or social views. And it's it's a thing that probably many millions of people agree with. It's not necessarily something that uh, should be banned from a platform like that, especially uh, they'll especially ban conservative voices. What we've noticed that's that's been the main trend. But then in the meantime, you have, you know, people live streaming suicide and rape and there's all types of pornography on those sites and those things are allowed to stand no problem it's a really interesting uh time that we're in and you see you see in several different issues where people used to kind of feel uh one way about it like for the example you're talking about say pornography on the internet well there's there have been voices over the years saying hey that's terrible you shouldn't have that up there but a lot of times the overwhelming voices said hey it's freedom it's our freedom. We're free to do this. You don't like it, don't look at it, right? And then it comes to maybe a differing opinion on a political issue or something. And then these same voices will say, that's offensive. You can't have it up there. <laughs> well, which, I mean, which one is it? Is everything just a mad? Because if you use the same reasoning, you could say, well, it's our freedom to say it. And if you don't like it, don't look at it. But they're not using, they're not, there's no, it's just a constant sliding scale of like morality or what's right and what's wrong uh, when you look at different topics that are coming up. It's such a warped set of priorities because on the one hand you have all this filth, all this trash that is given free reign on these sites, yet they act like the most dangerous thing that you could find on a plat- platform like Facebook or Twitter is someone's idea that they disagree with. That's the most dangerous thing, like a couple of sentences stating somebody's opinion on whatever the most relevant issue of the day is. How is that more offensive or threatening than some of the most abominable trash you could ever find online being posted for all to see on those different types of platforms? It's so funny to look back just a few years, I don't know, 20 years, maybe not even that far, and you see like old news footage of protests against certain things. I, I saw one the other day where politicians were protesting rap music. And I thought, oh, yeah, I remember when people used to protest that. Or, you know, uh, music that, that had inappropriate content or lyrics. And they said, this is harming our children. And it was a big thing. And you had people out there protesting against it. And that now anything goes in that realm. 
people used to protest against pornography. Now almost anything goes in that realm. But now the protests have shifted to, well, you can't say something that would hurt somebody's feelings. or You know, it's, it's changed a lot. When it comes to Facebook here, they say publishers still have many questions about the impending news feed change. Facebook told them that content from reputable publishers will also be surfaced or made more available, I guess. But it didn't specify how it would de- define reputable publisher or how their traffic would be impacted. So they're going to decide if you are a reputable publisher. And if you are, then f- I guess fine. And if you're not, then not fine. Now, what are they going to do to you? I don't know. I guess you just won't get as much exposure or something. They don't quite know yet. But see, that's where it gets really, uh, I think, interesting. The gatekeepers are going to determine if what you do is reputable or not. Is it going to be based on fact? Like, can you prove what they're saying? Or is it just have to be what's the popular thought out there? I think that's what's got some people a little nervous. Will NBC be considered reputable despite their tweet about Oprah Winfrey Oprah Winfrey being the next president. That's that. That's what they said on their official news account. I mean, that's obviously a pretty biased left-wing opinion. Surely Twitter and Facebook would prioritize an organization like that, even still. CNN, MSNBC, those are left-leaning. Huffington Post, Vox, Slate, The Undefeated, The Root. There's plenty of I, The Daily Beast, all these different types of sources that probably are going to be given priority. They're going to be considered reputable just because they fit in line with the platform controller's ideologies. I mean, we talked about that yesterday. They were exposed for talking about how, in private, how they uh, do try to stifle conservative voices. And it's not like it's a written rule, but they all understand that that's the direction that those companies are going. Yeah, this article says that the worry for publishers is that such an approach, you know, determining who's a reputable publisher or not, will have the unintended consequence of hurting high-quality content because a lot of legitimate news articles, while they may get read, tend not to get shared or commented on. So if they're looking at something as, you know, this gets shared a lot or gets commented on a lot, then it's valuable, and if it doesn't, then it's not. But who controls the exposure? who controls the commenting or the sharing. There's been plenty of examples of where you could, you know, at least for a while, buy your clicks or buy your, you know, shares or those types of things. It's it's just sort of they have these rules potentially that are out there. And again, Facebook didn't, you know, they're, they're kind of keeping this quiet, but this is what they think is going to happen here. Um, it, it's They're setting up these rules, but they can manipulate the rules, right? Well, we'll share anything that has a lot of views or a lot of comments. But you could also bury things, just like Twitter is doing. You can bury them so no one ever sees it and say, well, what do you want us to do? No one's commenting on it. Yeah, but you buried it, mm. right? <laughs> so uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It, it, and they're, they're private companies, right? right? Well, I mean, they're, I guess, publicly traded, but I mean, they're owned by somebody, a group of people, and they can decide, their, their board can decide what they do or not do. So it, they're within their right. But... Uh, it's just interesting because so many people go to these platforms for information, but uh, it's being censored in some ways, it looks like. Yeah, it's being censored, and, and people just, I guess they have to deal with that because there's not really much of a better alternative right now to those gigantic social media platforms. It's not like people can uh, go elsewhere if they wanted a, a place to interact like that. Also, considering the amount of shares that an article gets, 
which ones tend to get shared the most? It's like the the more surfacey, shallow type articles, the, the the ones that are just blatant clickbait, the ones that are salacious and factually just unbased. If if you're just going to make sure that those ones are the most important, that those ones are seen the most, just because they get shared the most, that's also uh, pretty backward too. And of course, a lot of more substantive news pieces, a lot of longer in-depth articles are going to get buried just just from that process because people are not reading those whole articles and sharing those as much. Yeah, it's like uh, catering to the lowest common denominator among mankind. Uh, because like you say, if you look every day at the top trending articles or names, or most of it's celebrities, maybe a sports figure, and then maybe like the top story that's kind of been put out on all the, the main uh, websites something with President Trump or something like that. Those will be your top things. And, uh, you know, is it valuable? Is it important? Is it giving people insight into what's happening in the world? In a lot of cases, no. So here we are sharing all this information. How much of it is valuable? How much of it do you even see? Unless you're going to put some investigative work in and try to find a valuable site or valuable information. And then uh, how many people are disciplined enough to actually read it <laughs> instead of just reading the headline, the first paragraph, and then the comments? <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> yeah, and this is another situation where we're being let down by these large organizations or these institutions that are involved in every aspect of life. So, again, it's one of these areas where we just have to sort of exercise our own discipline and discernment because you can't you obviously can't trust Facebook and Twitter to curate the news honestly and with integrity and, and to make sure that all viewpoints are fairly represented on their platforms you just kind of have to search on your own and and make sure that you go to the right places and 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 not just rely on a certain famous person tweeting something and then reading that or relying on whatever pops up at the top of the feed on a certain day because there might be an agenda behind why it's even that that high up or and obviously a lot of articles are clickbait and they aren't they aren't worth reading but if you see those first uh is it does that really mean we have to read those first Uh, there's a lot of things to consider there and and of course just getting away from those platforms and and finding the right sources on our own is probably the best idea yeah i i do think back to um, some men that were great in history, Abraham Lincoln being one. And, you know, when he when he was thinking about the uh, slavery issue there uh, before the Civil War broke out, uh, it took him years, really, to formulate his thinking on it. You know, he, would, he, he thought about it for a long time. Uh, and he read a lot, you know, on the topic, of course. He talked to people. And uh, he, but it's, he spent years formulating his opinion and how he thought best to deal with the situation. It was not a, a knee jerk reaction. And he really thought it through in every way that, you know, he, pro- he probably humanly could. And of course I, you know, I would, just, I think that, that God did direct him a fair bit in that because he was open to that direction too. He, but just that difference in stopping and thinking for a long time about something and getting lots of different thoughts and ideas and really, Shaping. I mean, you can see that even if you look at his speeches as he was leading up to the presidency and, you know, he ran for Senate before that and Congress and so forth. And he would have little elements of his thinking about it in some of those speeches. And so the, the historians can look at that and kind of see how long he spent formulating that thought. But today we throw out terms and 
and and uh, things that are pretty volatile, just just like that, just drop of the hat, and formulate opinions very quickly based upon a celebrity tweet or based upon something else. Really big issues that we really should stop and think about, but everything is so quick today and so shallow, in a lot of cases that um, uh, people are very emotional about things that they really should stop and think about a lot because they're very dangerous to this country. Do you think that Abraham Lincoln would be someone who would? fall for fake news there's been a whole lot of talk about eliminating fake news making sure that we silence certain outlets that are disseminating fake news but if he read it he wouldn't have been deceived by something like that he wouldn't have formulated his opinion based on a two paragraph article that was clearly a hoax i mean if people are looking into details pretty thoroughly i mean it it shouldn't be a matter of censoring certain outlets and letting other outlets climb to the top we should all be able to have the attention span to really examine an issue uh get all the facts and and formulate our opinion based on all the facts instead of having somebody else try to do that work for us yeah i think we need a basic pillars of understanding which of course are biblically based and then you have to really become an expert sort of at shuffling through information. You know, that's not relevant. This this is important. And that's what the trumpet.com does so well is sifts through all the things. Because you could think, well, if I go to the trumpet.com or if I go to PCOG.org, I mean, you know, it's some, some of the news, especially on the trumpet, it's similar to what you see other places. Like it's the same story. But the difference is, is the, the basic pillars of understanding, it, you know, the importance of the issue. You can Google... Uh, any topic, Iran protests, and you're going to get a, a thousand articles on it, probably all kinds of different thoughts and ideas and so forth. What's important, what's not important. And nobody's got time to go through them all. So you do have to kind of have that basic understanding that this is truth. I know this is bedrock truth. And now how do these other opinions sit on that? And I think that's something that say, uh, president Lincoln did a good job of, I think he had a pretty good better. And, and again, he, they weren't being flooded like we are today. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he probably wouldn't survive today's climate. Because he would have been, you know, they would have made fun of him because he was tall and looked kind of goofy, and he would have been <laughs> the tweet storm would have buried him. Maybe right. I don't know, but you know, uh, sometimes, you know, well, that's a it's a truth that like we get the leaders we deserve, and you know, maybe maybe we don't we don't deserve some of those better leaders today. They probably couldn't rise to the top. Not even close. We don't deserve anyone anywhere near the level of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, even even if we just look at recent presidential elections. Uh, the debates have swung based on if someone were watching it on TV, whoever looked nicer and was wearing a nicer suit or had his hair more in place would probably win that debate. It didn't really matter too much what the person was saying. And then those who were listening on the radio, they would hear the voice and whoever's voice sounded better would often be the winner of that debate. And then today, I mean, if you bring it right up to speed today, you have like a five second sound bite that determines in a lot of people's minds who won each hour and a half long debate. People are not sitting through and really looking deeply at what candidates' stances, what each candidate's stances on the issues are. They're not really examining each candidate's personal character. It's just a, it's just come down to a soundbite or like a zinger that you throw at the other candidate. Uh, that's not a whole lot of depth there. We're not really taking the time to vet our leaders and make sure we're picking the best one. It's a great point. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, when he was kind of getting on the campaign trail for being president, 
he would come out to speak to people and he was he was an awkward looking fellow i mean he was six four i think and his clothes seemed to not quite fit him right. He, you know, he's awkward. And he was a little awkward with some of his, his uh, gestures and so forth. And he went up and he spoke to a, uh, uh, a group of, well, his younger people. It was a school that his son was attending on the East Coast. So he went there to speak to them. It was on a speaking tour. And they, they, the, the book that I was reading talks about the audience's reaction to him. And they all knew that was the, f- the father of one of their peers in, the, in the school. And so when he first came out there and began to speak and they kind of saw him, a lot of them felt sorry for the son. They thought, oh, that's your dad. I mean, he's kind of awkward. But he spoke for, and I think it was about two hours. People actually would sit there and listen <laughs> at that time. <laughs> By the time he got done, it said they all wished that he was their dad. Because of what he said and the way he spoke and the people that heard him said, this is the greatest man alive. And they, I think, I forget what they paid him to come speak there because there was some fee involved that it, I can't remember if it was 200 or $2,000, whatever. But they sent him the money for it. I think it was for the whole tour. And then the, the person that sent him the money said, you know, here's, here's what we promised you. And if, and if it, your fee was $200,000, it wouldn't be enough because of what he said. But like you point out, if it was just a soundbite or the first impression, they wouldn't have even listened to him to hear his words. Different time back then. And and so we did get a leader that was very effective. Yeah, everything has changed now. Obviously, we have earned whatever we get today because we don't we don't take the time to do our part. And that's not just about the latest presidential election. It's about how we look at news, how we formulate opinions on the most important issues in all of society, uh, whether we decide that. Uh, all that we see around us exists because of a creator or because of evolution. A lot of those opinions are just formed based on if we respect one guy and he says one thing about it, we'll just go along with whatever that person told us, especially if it's a celebrity today. Well, we have to believe what the celebrities tell us or what the mainstream media says. It's There's not a whole lot of thought going into that, which is uh, pretty disappointing. But again, it just shows that uh, we're, we're earning what we get. We're certainly achieving a much lower quality today uh, because we're not putting in the effort. Yeah, it's a reflection of society. So Facebook might be changing uh, who they uh, deem to be a reputable publisher. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. They they would not confirm or deny that they're <laughs> going to do anything. So we'll see. Washington Examiner has a related sort of story today. From This is from Pew uh, Research. U.S. media bias ranks worst in the world. So that's where we've come to now. More than in any other country, Americans on both sides of the political aisle believe the media does a poor job covering political issues fairly, according to a blockbuster new survey of media consumption in 38 nations. What's more, the Pew Research Center study found that supporters of President Trump believe the media is doing a worse job covering politics than the supporters of any other international politician, a political leader in the country surveyed. Uh, the survey found that just 21% of Americans who support President Trump and Republicans believe the media is fair. Who are those 21%? That is incredible <laughs> that any of them that can any, believe that, yeah. that the media is fair right no, now. No, it's not fair in any way. Every night's a sob fest on television. <laughs> but it also found that just 55% of those who don't back him believe the media is uh, is uh, being fair. So nobody thinks anything's fair and well, they're probably all right <laughs> it's hard to get honest uh, coverage but most nations the media is fairly favorable to the people in power 
for better or worse, and uh, the U.S. is the exact opposite in a big way. Well, the media does a whole lot to damage its own credibility. I mean, if we just look at a few of the stories that have been covered recently, that Fire and Fury book that came out that it is, by all accounts, pretty much... Uh, just a fiction novel and it does slander the president in a lot of ways um, remember when he was down in florida golfing recently and there was this big white van in the way so they couldn't film him and and and, and examine his golf swing for hours on the air they were upset that the van blocked their their camera's view uh all these different stories remember whenever he was with the japanese prime minister and he dumped the last few flecks of fish food into the the pool just like the japanese prime minister had done but they edited it so that it looked like he was committing some sort of a faux pas uh they they put like 12 diet cokes up on the table in a row because apparently someone had jokingly said that mr trump drinks 12 of those a day and they had someone on there to, to talk about how damaging that would be they talked to like a psychologist who wrote a book violating her ethical principles uh, by saying that the president is mentally unfit to serve as the president. Uh, they've talked to Elmo before. Recently, they talked to a puppet on CNN. I mean, it just do people really believe what these what these media members are telling us when it's just beyond the realm of absurd? You know, it'd be a really interesting uh, sort of speaking tour, maybe like a comedy tour would be to have somebody go uh, and and you bring up like some of those stories, like the, the, the Diet Cokes, and they, they bring up the story, they give them the topic and say, okay, now come at it from your, uh, your pro, the person doing this, you know, like your pro trap, and then hear the whole story and then flip it and say, okay, now you're against them. Same story, but just how are you going to spin it? And I think a lot of people, some would be better at it than others, but I think most of us know how you would do that roughly because you can just look at the past administration and the current one. And, you know, the media would say, oh, come on, you know, this isn't even worth talking about. We need to get into, you know, other more important things. And this isn't fair. And and then you flip the script and they're like, this is an outrage. It proves the, you know, and it's the same basic stuff. So that would be an interesting speaking tour. It would it would cause a lot of controversy. That's mm-hmm. for sure. So maybe you have to do it behind uh, some protective glass or something. <laughs> but just to, just true. just to see how people flip the the script on those stories. But so anyway, uh, a lot of division in the U.S. The media does make a lot of money though. Uh, NBC says Super Bowl commercials are nearly sold out. So if somebody out there is listening, and you want to do put your Super Bowl commercial out there, you can do that. Uh, it's about five million for thirty seconds. Mm. So uh, better make sure you say the right things in thirty seconds. Get your money's worth. Uh, that's something we should try. Get an ad out there for the trumpet. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. You. you I don't know. You got to do something funny though. You know, they they always want the humorous commercials. Or uh, I always wonder sometimes, knowing how much money they're putting into this, you have to figure that. Uh, you know, somebody's somebody's job might be on the line, mm. and I just think, wow, you know, most people are enjoying the commercials, but that one or those one or two guys <laughs> that they know, if this goes well, it's great. If it doesn't, this is it for us. A lot of pressure. Be looking around the room. What do you guys think? Was that funny? <laughs> Did you guys like that? Because sometimes they are very memorable and they're very funny, and then other times you think, really, five million dollars for that? Like that? It seems like you come up with a better idea. And there's certainly a lot of pressure for them to keep upping the ante based on. What they did the previous year, they have to exceed that the next year. Wasn't it uh, last year or two years ago? I think it might have been Snickers that did a live Super Bowl commercial. Right. Yeah. So it it cut to them, and they they had this whole like Western scene, and yeah. and they did it live on the air. So you have one chance to get all these props moving, all these characters saying the lines, coming on the scene, 
at the perfect time and that's that's your one opportunity to get it done but i was pretty excited to see that just because it's pretty hard to get all of that right in one take yeah i think i would go the exact opposite way of a lot of the commercials you know where they're very very highly produced and and quite spectacular in some ways i would love to see uh somebody do do a commercial but do it like a local law firm to where they'll just sit there and like stare at the camera and <laughs> it, it would just be it would be so jolting because of what you're expecting mm-hmm. i think that'd be the one people would remember oh yeah like yeah. what would like very poorly produced <laughs> <laughs> that would really get people's attention it would stand out in a bad way but you would have millions of people probably looking it up just because of how funny that would be unintentionally or intentionally that yeah. would be hilarious i think if we just put the trumpet.com up there for 30 seconds and then just played some triumphant music you'd have 30 seconds for people to eventually decide i don't even know what this is but i'm going to look at it uh because it has some awesome music in the background let's check it out <laughs> so there's a few spots left if anyone's got deep pockets and if anyone want... wants to pay for an ad for the trumpet.com yeah and put it in the super bowl that would be that'd be ideal that would be pretty amazing <laughs> yeah so uh but you know it's always interesting too because I suppose you want to get in the first commercial break because the game's fresh. Everyone's looking at the commercials. But then, of course, as the game goes on, those might be the most watched because it might be a great game or it might be a terrible game that no one cares about anymore and they flip over to some other show. So those are always kind of the dicey spots, like how much do you pay? Because that might be the place to be or it might not be. So it depends on who's in the game and if, you know, like last year was such an epic comeback by the by the uh, Patriots that I think towards the end, if people stuck with it, that's when the commercials were, you know, you'd really want them on that spot. Mm-hmm. Because because at the end of the game when it's only like a three-point uh, deficit, that's when you don't want to turn away from the commercials to look at another channel because you don't want to miss when it comes back to the game. So that that would be a really good time to do it. But, of course, you'd have to be looking at the teams that are playing and the likelihood of how good the game is going to be to take that risk. Otherwise, uh, pretty much everyone goes to a Super Bowl party, and you you might be better off putting it at the beginning in that case. Yeah. Do you know uh, who's doing the halftime show? No, I don't. This year? Oh, okay. Looks like, I just Googled it here, looks like uh, Justin Timberlake is singing at oh, the yeah. 2018 Super Bowl. I think I did hear show. that a while ago. So who knows? They always trot out some people, and sometimes they do better than others, and... Uh, that's a lot of pressure on them too, I guess. So it's hard. He's getting his chance at redemption. <laughs> oh right, yeah, he did it. He did it years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, so that that's always something. Uh, quite a spectacle on the world stage. Uh, make sure you stop and check out the trumpet.com. Really, really important write up. Uh, the deadly climate change deception. This is by Trumpet editor in chief Gerald Flurry. Analysts and experts have dangerously misdiagnosed the cause of devastating weather disasters, and we have seen a lot, haven't we? Over the last year, uh, even into this year, fires in California, mudslides that have killed at least 17, including children. You think about how sad that is. Poor kids. Um, so really, really a terrible deal there. Uh, we've had this cold snap as well, and I, f- I found this interesting, a related write-up from the Associated Press. You remember uh, when we had this cold snap, they said, well, of course, it's because of global warming. In which you're like, well, wait a minute, I thought it was supposed to... Anyway, <laughs> this write-up says, U.S. cold snap was a freak of nature, quick analysis finds. So, they, so they're backtracking. Consider this cold comfort. They said, a quick study of the brutal American cold snap found that the Arctic blast really wasn't global warning, warming, but a freak of nature, otherwise known as winter. Uh, fr- <laughs> fridge, that's what all the commenters say. They're like, well, what, ice and snow? Yeah, wintertime. I, you expect it at a certain time of year. So unless it happens to us in July... I don't really think that's a freak of nature. Anybody that's lived, um, you know, more than like 
10 years, you you know, you have some cold winters, you have some that aren't so bad. I mean, it kind of comes and goes. But they said frigid weather, like the two-week cold spell that began around uh, December 25th and 15th, uh, is 15 times rarer than it was a century ago, they think, according to a team of international scientists who does real-time analysis to see if extreme weather events are natural or more likely to happen because of climate change. The study, based on observations and statistics, did not find evidence for the popular scientific theory that links melting Arctic sea ice to blasts of cold air escaping from the top of the world. The theory, which is still debated by scientists but gaining credence among many, is based on pressure changes and other factors that cause the jet stream to plunge and weather systems to get stuck. But the latest analysis didn't find such evidence. So they came out and said, whoa, it's colder. Yeah, because the climate's warming and... uh, and the ice caps are melting, and that's why we're getting colder. And then these scientists come out and say, nah, didn't appear to be that at all. So uh, anyway, there's always debate and argument, and I'm sure you'd have people on the other side loudly professing the other thing. <laughs> but uh, when you do look at the data, uh, there, there just isn't a lot to this theory. Uh, but there is there is <laughs> something in the Bible about it. God does control the weather. It is at his whim. And uh, when people say, well, it's just climate change, it takes God out of the equation. Well, those factors you were talking about regarding global warming, uh, it sounded like those would all lead to the exact opposite conclusion that those people made. I mean, that's just a really tough line of reasoning to try to keep track of. It's, It's zigging and zagging, and you can't really pin down where they're trying to go with it. And yet, like you said, the Bible has exactly the blueprint for this exactly what happens if people obey versus what happens if they disobey the weather actually will change according to that and that's that's the incredible part that uh if we would just look into the bible we would have the solution for right we need uh we need blessings to to have uh the success we want in life and uh um, so it's, it's a, just a really important write up there at the trumpet.com, the deadly climate change deception. Make sure you do check that out when you get a chance to also the Trumpet daily radio show with your host, Stephen Flurry. Talked a fair bit today about what's, what's Iran, uh, doing with the protesters. Uh, if you Google Iran protests, most of the top stories say, oh, well, um, this is the protest show that why we, we can't backtrack on this uh, nuclear deal because, uh, then it'll, I don't know, be worse for the people or something. And then they also say, um, never mind the fact they protested after the deal, but never never <laughs> mind that. And then some say, oh, well, you know, it's dying down, no big deal. But there's some good reports out there as he brings out that the people are being tortured, in some cases uh, maybe to death for mm. their role in it. Anybody interested in that? That's, again, that's another <laughs> instance where they look at the facts and they come to the completely wrong conclusion, like they're living in a different universe. I mean, that's, it doesn't make any sense to say that they're protesting, therefore we should sit around and think nothing of it and do nothing about it. What what, what good does that do? I mean, that's what that's what we did back in 2009. It didn't help those people. Uh, those protesters back in 2009 disappeared. Um, it, anyone thinking with a clear mind about this situation knew that these protesters would also eventually disappear because that's what that type of regime always does. That's their history. It only just happened nine years ago. It's going to happen again this time, and we're already starting to see that. Anyone who's looking at it closely can see that these protesters are slowly dwindling, their numbers are going down, and some bad stories are coming out about what's happening to these people. They're not living in a country like ours. They're not treating their their people the same way that we do. It's a brutal, brutal regime. 
And uh, that's why it's hard to take some reports and journalists and things seriously when there's crocodile tears over maybe a supposed comment or two. But then there's actual real, real damage happening uh, in a lot of these nations that they are supporting in some ways, or at least supporting the policies or our interaction with them. Um, there's there are things worth crying about, absolutely, and it's not, but it's not the things they're crying about. Well, there is a really telling thing about this, and it, recently, um, the Iranian regime, one of their top officials, it might have even been the Ayatollah, said that the president is unfit. Our president is unfit to be in office. Basically, the only leader in the entire world agreeing with our mainstream media. I mean, so our media has the same viewpoint as the mullahs in Iran that should immediately tell them how off base their coverage is yet they keep plowing forward with this agenda to destroy our president if someone woke up from like a 30-year coma today and they and they turn on the news they would think that President Trump is the the cruelest harshest dictator in the entire world based on the coverage of our media and at the same time we have someone in North Korea who consistently puts entire families into death camps concentration camps because of something that one person in that family said against him you have people in iran who are developing nuclear weapons with the stated intent to wipe out israel and push them into into the mediterranean sea and eventually to use those same weapons on america but somehow those leaders are nothing compared to president trump what kind of what kind of coverage is that well just the idea that the leadership in Iran is somehow going to become moderate. Moderate? Really? I mean, and then, but you look at the standard that they hold the, the current president in the U.S. to. You know, they think, they think he, like you said, he's unfit, but they think that regime's moderate? <laughs> hey, come on. It's it's amazing. So anyway, really uh, important Trump Daily Radio Show. Make sure you listen for that. Some, some just great insight there. Also, new Key of David program this weekend. Uh, the prophesied prince of Russia... Don't forget about Russia and what they're involved in. The Bible prophesies of a dangerous end-time leader called the Prince of Rosh who will affect the lives of every person on earth. He's uh, uh, very active over there. Uh, this is an article today from the express.co.uk. Uh, Russia's explosive war games, thousands of troops simulate attack in huge drills. Russia has sparked fears of a potential war looming as thousands of troops simulated a deadly attack during huge military drills. They did this at the uh, Kaimelyakka training ground. Not great on my Russian. <laughs> uh, they show soldiers in a massive range of war scenarios, including detonating weapons on the battlefield. Fears of preparations for an invasion have repeatedly been dismissed by the Kremlin, but observers are concerned Russia is still lying about the true number of troops taking part in the country's multiple drills. Russia, they would tell a lie? Just days ago, uh, the commander of the Estonian Defense Forces revealed Russia's Russian President Vladimir Putin's forces simulated a large-scale military attack against NATO last September. He claimed the war games were so the superpower could prepare to move a large number of troops at extremely short notice if it were to go to war with a U.S.-led organization with NATO. Other leading figures have voiced similar concerns that Mr. Putin could be preparing for war with Europe and the USA. Now, if you were to bring that up, probably, and say, what, you know, to the media and say, what do you think about Russia? Like, are they preparing for war? They say, oh, come on. They, what, are, what are you talking about? You know, I don't think they're interested in that. He's literally having war games right now. 
you need to know what uh, Vladimir Putin's up to, and it's talked about on the Kia David this weekend, the prophesied Prince of Russia. That's right, and Russia fears Europe, Europe fears Russia. Both of them have global ambitions, and they have to somehow best one another to achieve those ambitions. Meanwhile, over here in America, we're just so stuck on our internal squabbles. People people even in the media probably don't know much about what Russia's doing with regard to its border and with regard to the NATO nations that are right next to them. They view those nations as a threat, and so they're they're gearing up militarily to strike them at a moment's notice if they need to. They have a massive military. They have a lot of military equipment. They've been involved in Syria. Once you factor in also China, which they work very closely with, and some of those other Asian nations, you have a lot of people, a lot of people that they can call up into a service. And, of course, uh, as this Kia David program shows, uh, the Bible prophesies about a 200-million-man army. That's a lot of people, 200-million-man. And so if you look on the earth, where are you going to get that from? There's no place else to get them. So it's a pretty good clue. Yeah, and that's uh, the incredible part about that is when the Apostle John wrote about it, there weren't even 200 million people on earth at that time, that couple thousand years ago when he wrote about it. Uh, so it just, it just shows you the remarkable accuracy of a prophecy like that. Obviously, God had to know that the population would drastically increase for that to even be possible. And if you look on a map, it's true. Where else could you find that huge of a population where so many of the population could become part of an army. It has to be from China, it has to be from Russia, from India, uh, from Japan, the most heavily populous nations in the world. And Japan, of course, is rearming as well, and you can find write-ups about that at the Trumpet. They're not supposed to, by the way, <laughs> but they're going to. And they it's are. just a constitution. You can sure. change that anytime you feel like. Just go ahead and change that. And also <laughs> Germany. Germany is starting to uh, do some things as well, and that European military is getting going also. So... Um, you know, I've, there's been certain write-ups where they say, you know, war is just so unthinkable because of how everybody knows if it broke out, that's it, because of the weapons. So it's so unthinkable, people don't want to think about it, but uh, some nations are thinking about it, obviously. Russia is. These <laughs> other nations are. So there is a lo- there is a lot to be concerned about. And, that, and not only is, say, a lot of uh, sort of surfacey information that might be floating around on the web just maybe uh, negative or bad, but it also just gets in the way of the important stuff too. And that's that's the problem with the information age is everything's dumped into this pile and it's like a needle in a haystack. So you've got to find the relevant stuff in there, but you got to sift through everything else first. And that's why you do have to, you know, pick your news sources and your websites pretty carefully or else uh, your time can just be wasted away. We do have to figure out what's more important. Um a book about the president that's probably fiction or is it the question of human survival and if, if we can even uh, sustain the human population for the next couple of decades because of nuclear weapons proliferating at such a pace that we can't keep up with them we don't even know where they are around the world there are probably plenty of hidden caches of weapons that that we haven't even found yet and of course you have madmen who control certain weapons Uh, that that's a lot more important to be talking about and anyone should be able to see that if they're not obsessed with uh bringing down a a certain administration right 
There's a there's a really good uh, blog uh, post from yesterday. It's a trumpet brief that gets sent out, and then it's posted as a, a blog there at the trumpet.com. So if you haven't signed up for the trumpet brief, you can do that for free at the trumpet.com. Uh, Joel Hilliker sent it out yesterday. Breakfast with Dads shows fathers are needed. It's a really a positive story about an event that happened. I think it was in Dallas, where uh, these kids uh, they wanted to have these breakfasts with dads, and a lot of men showed up because a lot of these kids don't have dads around in their lives but people did answer the call and did come and it really really inspired these young people to uh to have some man there giving them some attention and so we want to in light of that talk about this really great article it's at uh, pcog.org uh and it's from trumpet editor-in-chief gerald flurry why fatherhood is all important and how family reveals our illustrious potential so there's a lot to read here and you have to read the whole thing but we're going to touch on a couple of the points and I'll just just give you a synopsis somewhat here but he he points out that God's purpose is to expand his family and uh, quotes Matthew 5:48 where we're told to become perfect as our father is perfect God the father but, you know it's not uncommon for people to refer to God as father our father people say that and yet what does that mean and then if you look at the way the family treats the physical father today in a lot of cases it's it's really being attacked uh, maybe not in every individual home, but if you just look at the general trend of the media, certainly the flipping upside down of families today and the destruction of the families, uh, even the Me Too movement, which you know, there might be some validity to some inappropriate things going on there, but still the overriding push is that men are bad and inevitably that fathers are bad. But God's our father. How can we relate to God as our father if we don't relate to a physical father, if we don't have a physical father? The term father is almost considered as just an analogy, like it's not a literal position that God holds over a family. It's not even on a physical level considered that important. I mean, you hear all the time people say, he's like a father to me. And usually that means like, well, I didn't have one in my life, so he's replacing a father. But, you know, it's it's a big difference from actually growing up with one, which is the ideal situation, if at all possible. Um it, it it is a literal head of a family. There, it's a specific role on a physical level. We can we should be able to see that, and it's the same spiritually. And it points us to God. That's that's why it's so special. And I think people do like the idea of a a comforting father, a nurturing father, a kind father, and those are very essential. And those are biblical principles. But also, the father makes the rules too. He also can tell you what to do. And you have to do it. <laughs> That's the point that people get, oh, hang on now. I don't quite like that, whether we're talking about God the Father or just a physical father in a family. And it's pointed out in this article here that some just obvious truths, these are obvious, but yet today they are really, people are just being befuddled uh, when they think about this. But God created male and female. That's what he created mankind. I was, when I was reading this and, and preparing this, I thought, wow, that's just such a given. But today... That's a, that's a stumbling block, isn't it, for people? Did God create male and female? Did he? He did. And he created marriage. He created family. And he did it because family is a God-plane relationship. Physical family teaches us about the God family. So why is it under attack today? Why is there so much confusion? Because there's a devil out there that is not part of that family, can't be part of that family. He hates it and he wants to destroy it. And that's why you see the father's role and the family under attack today. Really, it just comes down to Satan being jealous that he doesn't have the same opportunity. He's mad that even when he was 
obedient. He never was going to become a literal son of God like humans have the chance to be. And so he's putting all of his energy into taking away that vision from as many people as possible. Uh, and what better way to do that than taking the physical father out of as many families as possible so that you don't really have a clear picture of what family is and what the spiritual family consists of. He has been absolutely masterful at tearing apart families and presenting ideas like they're normal that you can have two fathers or two mothers or one parent or none at all. And those are all the same as just having a father and mother in the home. Um, you know, you can flip the roles apparently now where the mother goes out and the father stays home to rear the children. Uh, it, those are all ideas presented by Satan because he hates the idea of family. Um, abortion is a way to destroy families. Um, promiscuity uh, sex outside of marriage is a way to destroy families all these different things that satan has presented but it, it's we it's made to seem like man came up with these ideas and they're actually ideas that give us more freedom somehow that's that's really the best part of his entire plan if you could call it that the fact that he has convinced us that those were our own ideas and that we're just helping ourselves we're, we're giving ourselves more options more opportunities by destroying our own families right that's exactly right it's the it's presented like this is freedom but what are you free to do be alone be miserable you know because once you destroy family well, i mean how come if people are orphans they try to put them in families why isn't that the ideal state of being? I mean, that's what that's what they they try to do when you're an adult, <laughs> you know, split you away from family, split you away from all those responsibilities. So uh, the, this uh, article here quotes a uh, May June 1970 issue of Tomorrow's World magazine, where it says, uh, "If the devil could get a society and make it the way he wanted, what would it be like?" Well, you can take a look around today, actually, but. It, it, the, historically, it says there was a society completely ruled by the devil. He had instituted his thoughts and his morality. The society was completely destroyed from the face of the earth. And the lesson of it should be a perpetual witness to all generations. That society, give you a second to guess, Sodom and Gomorrah. Not fashionable to talk about. The final end, it says, of any society run by the devil is the complete destruction of fatherhood. The devil himself cannot reproduce. Angels cannot reproduce or marry. You can see that in Matthew 22, verse 30. But God can reproduce himself, and he's in the process of reproducing himself in mankind, people. His begotten children, that's in 1 John 3, 1 through 2. Shouldn't be a surprise. There's a lot of professing Christians that should know that, I guess. It says, thus the devil wants to destroy fatherhood, because when he does that, he can destroy God's true religion. He can destroy um, the truth of God what God's actually doing, the gospel message. That is the gospel. It's the good news of the soon-coming kingdom and family of God, a literal family. But uh, who knows about family today? I mean, how close are we to Sodom and Gomorrah in this country today? Yeah, that's right. And what happened exactly? Well, fire came down out of heaven and just devoured both of those cities. Those were cities where debauchery was common, whoredom was common, homosexuality was common. Uh, people just living in a cesspool of immorality. And it's very clear how God thinks about that because of by just the way that he responded. He totally 
wiped it out of existence. And there are plenty of passages in the Bible that say he's still not in favor of those things. Those There are New Testament passages that say that. For those who do away with the Old Testament, well, there's even passages in the New Testament that talk about how God still believes the same thing that he did all those thousands of years ago, even today. He never changes. Right and wrong never changes. We're trying to be self-righteous in our society now with this Me Too movement. Like, like all of a sudden, we've, we've finally changed our minds and we've realized that sexual assault and rape are wrong. Those have been wrong for thousands of years. But people are just now finally talking about it is it is it really that we've only just realized those things are wrong or is it an an effort to tear down uh powerful men in society i mean there's there's an element to that too which also would would serve satan's purposes very well if you're undermining men and saying that well they're all potential sexual predators so we have to replace them with with women that's another way of undermining family undermining nations which are built on families uh, there's just attacks coming from all sides that just directly relate back to Satan's attacks on family. Yeah, and I've seen a few write-ups where people sort of lament about the condition of the country and, and the Me Too movement in particular. And they say, well, men need to care and protect women, to care for them and protect them. Agreed. And, and, and yeah. it, we all agree. And, and how do you do that? You have a father. Who protect? Who cares about the women in the family? The father does. He protects his wife. He protects his daughters. So any any father that's uh, <laughs> worth being called the father. I mean, you know, there are times where, uh, say, you're you're going to go out on a trip or something, or you're going to go somewhere, and you think I'm going to be there because I just want to make sure everyone, you know, that I'm there to protect everybody, keep everybody safe, and uh, you know, I'm going to go to the activity. I'm going to see what's happening to make sure everyone knows that I'm there, and. Uh, you see people that get taken advantage of because the dads aren't there. That's where the, that's where, that's how you solve these problems is with the father. Victor Davis Hanson wrote a really good piece about that recently too, where he, he said, he said that basically not too long ago, if you had someone like Harvey Weinstein doing what he was doing, there would have been a father to show up at his door or there would have been a husband or a boyfriend to show up and confront him face to face and deal with it that way. Where are all the men who are just basically letting their own wives and daughters be raped is is it maybe because we have said that looking out for women and going where they go to protect them is chauvinistic it's it's trying to imply that women are weak if that's a societal message men are going to recede into the background and then all of a sudden you have all these women who are vulnerable to the actual male threats that are out there it's not all men but the male threats who are out there are going to take advantage when real men back up. Well, and you would just use wisdom. I mean, if your wife or daughter came to you and said, hey, uh, I'm going to be a Hollywood uh, actress, you'd say, what now? You wouldn't uh, even let her get into that in the first place. What What yeah. is this all about? You know, And what movies are you going to be in? And what are they depicting? This isn't a good idea. Like you would just, you would stop it before it ever started. Mm-hmm. But, you, you, you know, so it shows the value of the father. And in this article says, what kind of character must we have to finish and beautify the universe? I mean, this is what God wants mankind to do. And, uh, you know, Christ gives us that example, that he was made a little lower than the angels for a while when he was a human being. And he died for every man and, and woman and person. And uh, and then, but what's he going to do? Bring many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. He's bringing many sons, lots of people. And uh, sons of who? 
God the Father. And so the Father is such a vital role and an important role and one that uh, men need to embrace from a biblical perspective in this society. Christ can really be a great example to us in that way because he's the firstborn son of God and we can follow the path that he did during his physical life and achieve the same result, being actually born and having a father who is perfect, a father who never leaves, a father who never lets us down in any way. Uh, Obviously, we physical fathers can't obtain that attain that type of standard in this life but we can certainly strive for it there is a father though a spiritual father who is perfect and will do everything for us just to bring us into his family yeah last bit from this uh, article here again you can find it at the uh, pcog.org why fatherhood is all important just such an important article this is a family of man pictures the god family god created the human family to get mankind into his family the teaching about evolution is a vile insult to our awesome origin and potential. And then this last line is really important, something to think about. It says, why does man refuse to see this magnificent future that God has for him? The simple answer is he doesn't want to be corrected and changed. So something to think about there personally, and uh, just a great write-up there at pcog.org. Make sure you check it out. That's all the time we have for today on Trumpet Radio Live. Make sure this is for the uh, Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Kia David, new one this weekend as well, and also the Trumpet Hour Week in Review, all coming up for Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.